Greetings and welcome to another episode of Cultivating with Quayera. I am coming to you from on location in Jamaica. Today's interview is with my long-standing sister friend, Tayoma Fern Allison. She is a midwife, herbs woman, and homeopath who actually midwifed all three of my children some 20 and nearly 30 years ago. In this episode, we will be speaking about the healing essence of the yoni. Yep, I said the yoni. A topic I find many still shy away from in each and every stage of our journey. The yoni is a divine power source that we explore fully in this episode. There was so much magic in this discussion that we had to divide the podcast into two episodes. Welcome and full joy, the healing essence of the Yoni. Welcome to the podcast, Tayoma. Ah, thank you so much. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be here. So excited to talk with my sister about the power of woman, the power of the yoni, the essence of our femininity and divine principles. Before we get into any of that, I would like you to please tell me a little bit about who Tayoma is. Professionally, I'm a nurse midwife, herbalist, and a homeopath. I've been working as a home birth midwife, particularly because I feel that Earth is so beautiful, women are so beautiful, family is so beautiful that I wanted to assist families in having the best experience and the most natural experience that they could at home. So I've been a home birth midwife for the past 30 years. I've assisted at over 2,000 births. Every time has been a learning experience, every time has been a privilege, every time has been a blessing. So when you say assisted, what exactly do you mean by that? Tayoma was my midwife for all three of my children. And every time I introduce her, I say, oh my God, she delivered my baby. So explain what you mean by assisted, because you always correct me on that. I do, because it's about acknowledging that the power lies with the woman, that she actually does the delivery with the loving support of her circle her family her man at times and that i am there to assist i'm there to make sure things are safe to give whatever advice and support i can give to have it be the most beautiful and blissful healthy experience possible wow so two thousand babies that's a lot of women to work with what is that like just generally being a midwife, being in a home or birthing center with family members. My mama was very fearful. Just her being in the room was too much for me. She was like, oh my God, my baby, my baby, my baby. So I was like, you have to stay away because you're going to make me nervous. And then after she was like, you did it. But what is that like having family members and partners and being at home? How do you manage that entire process? You're right. A lot of times, unless, of course, mommy has had home birth herself. And still, she's going to be a little apprehensive, especially, you know, for the first one. But if she has had her experiences within the hospital, this is what she's familiar with. Mm-hmm. So home birth will be to her something that is possibly old-fashioned mm-hmm. and something that certainly we've moved beyond that. 
but we have moved beyond being women and women need a safe, healthy, supportive space in order to give birth naturally. Mm. And we are sure that natural is the best way for them to be. You know, you take a, a mammal, any mammal, a cat, for example, in the middle of their birth process and you put them somewhere where they don't feel safe, that birth process is going to shut down. Really? Absolutely. And so it's the same for women. And we don't want shutting down. We want relaxation. We want release. We want opening. We want the flowering of this process because it is vitally important to the health and well-being of the mother and the baby that they have, if at all possible, a vaginal delivery that primes the baby's microbiome getting into talking about the mm -hmm. vagina. Mm -hmm. There are wonderful lactobacilli and other bacteria in the vagina itself that helps to prime the baby's own microbiome. And that means that that baby is going to be born and be able to function well as an adult out in the world. Mm. So it really is a portal and this really is a journey. I often joked and said, well, what would, be, would, it, would it be like if our babies just knocked on the door and said, hi, I'm your child. Let me in. We'd be like, nah, where'd you come from? Who are you? You know, one of the ways that we know this one's ours is just going through the process. When children are at a birth and they watch that baby come out, there's very much less jealousy, very much less like resentment of this new being that mm. has stolen the limelight. They're like, no, it's ours, gotta keep it. And also, of course, in other ways, it's much healthier for the mother to have a vaginal birth, less, less blood loss. There is um, importance of bonding and connecting with that new life. There is, for the whole family really, um, that amazing energy that enters the room. Mm -hmm. Do you find it's traumatic for the family to see that? What do you see the family members experience? <laughs> Little children seeing a baby come out of the vagina right. and the vagina expanding and then contracting. What is that like for a child or even a husband or a partner? Or Yes. You know, children are as various as people are. And so there are children that will pull up a chair, have a <laughs> seat. I'm serious. I remember this little girl and lean forward and just love the whole show. Then there are children that will tap someone in the shoulder and say, um, I think this is a little too much for me. Children will let you know, you know, whether or not they need to kind of go play elsewhere or if they're like in it. So yeah. it's important to have someone there yes. that can listen to the child, right? Because the mother's going through right. what she's going through. You're helping the mother. And that's usually called, if it's not the partner who's maybe falling out as well or supporting deeply, <laughs> that's like a doula, no? Yes. And I didn't have doula back in my day, right? So what does a doula do? A variety of tasks. So there's some that are only postpartum doulas and they'll come after the baby comes and give that support, <laughs> which incidentally is a thing. In Korean culture, for example, you actually have spaces that are created to nurture the mother for those first two to six weeks, maybe after the baby's born. Mm -hmm. And the mother's fed special foods and special herbs, and she's given only warm foods and kept really warm. She is brought into a space where she is given a, an experience of peace. Mm, yeah. It's understood that mm -hmm. she's just been through something really big wow. and it's easy for her to slip into 
postpartum blues to slip into a space of deficiency because she's given out a lot of energy feels good and feels wonderful initially after that whole period requires nurturing and requires you know her to be largely horizontal in order to be able to recuperate well because mm -hmm. In Jamaican culture as well, they'll tell you, oh, you don't want to pick up baby cold. Because if you get baby cold, you're going to get arthritis later in life. And it's the same thing that the Eastern wisdom reflects mm. to us. That you can get rheumatic diseases, joint pains later in life. That your mood can dip and you can slip into depressions. And yeah, the various other diseases. To have a healthy senior life. You want to have a healthy postpartum period as well. I think my first child and my mother and my grandmother came over like that night or the next day. And my grandmother was like, put something on, you're going to get baby cool. And, and I was like, please, you guys are just so old fashioned, so young in my early 20s. And my grandmother said about three things to me. I remember she just sat quietly on the couch, dropping pearls of wisdom and I was just, you know, moving fast, like, no, I'm doing this at home. My grandmother's like, look, I did it at home. And I'm going to tell you, this is not good. This is not good. And I just was like, oh, that's old fashioned. And as the years went on, I was like, oh, that's what she had taught. Right. <laughs> and it's so crazy because we don't have space for the elders to really help the young ones understand what to prepare for exactly. and how to give their pearls of wisdom. There are people that maybe have a tendency to prolapse where the uterus will actually dip down and even sometimes show through the vagina. That can also be prevented by you just being still and not employing gravity to pull down your uterus after birth. You want to have that space where you can just lay and have other people bring you your food talk about why you would get into something like this. It's such a responsibility, mm. right? To yes. not be at the hospital, to be with the baby. It's ancient, but to take that on in modern times in the 21st century is a really big deal. And then the whole thing of postpartum blues is what I just heard you say. Why this career? Mm. Having a child at home really brought me to a consciousness of the birth world. It brought me to the hospital initially, mm. where I really felt as if I wasn't being seen. I wasn't being treated as a whole person. You know, it was more like, what's happening with your body? What's happening with your vitals? Doctors would see me and not look me in the eye, not ask me any questions about what else was happening in my life. During delivery or? Prenatals. And I understand, you know, when you get into a sort of busy clinical setting, often there's a temptation to do that. Sometimes you have to move through quickly because I've been in those settings since and I understand the pressures. But I didn't feel like I was being seen. When someone told me about home birth and that I'd have a midwife be there for me throughout the process, one single person, I looked into it, thought it sounded great. And it also was more in sync with the lifestyle I'd chosen of being more natural and more healthy. So when I found the midwife, mm. Lisa was also my guide and my mentor. Mm. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience, you know, much calmer, much more of a, an intimate, close connection. Somebody who 
really knew you and knew your history mm -hmm. to an extent mm -hmm. was going to be there for you at this most intimate of times. Mm. And so I thought, this is great. I want to be that for women. Mm. So this is how I came into it. It's such a big responsibility. How do you reconcile that? Well, you know, I think I was kind of fresh and full of kind of, you know, political and social fire as well, because I thought, you know, women are being cheated of this experience. So you go in, in a way, a kind of blind to yes, yes. what your role is and what could happen and what it is, as I say, a learning experience. Yes, yes. But through it all, I've never regretted taking that path. Wow. It's grown me up. It's uh, grounded me mm -hmm. in ways that I could not have imagined. And I know that I give it my all. I know that the woman and the families feel my care for them and my love for them. And that I have felt truly blessed. Whenever I'm at a delivery, there's a kind of rush of energy that is palpable in that I can't sleep, you know, after I go to birth. Wow. No. <laughs> Initially, you know, you're so like, energy that's washing over you, that's oh. coming from the other side. Being in the presence of the divine. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. You're there at the gate of that portal. Mm -hmm. And you are blessed to greet mm. this baby first. A lot of times, sometimes the mothers will either do the delivery or they'll touch their baby's head first. And it always brings her this rush of energy that says, this is happening and I can do this. Right, you know? right, right, right. And it's, it's a oh, beautiful thing. That makes sense. <laughs> Over 2000, I can't even visualize how many women you've had to sit with and do prenatal and post delivery and what that's like. Not just women who are having babies, but you're also a women's health professional. You've perhaps seen more yonis than anyone I've known. And you may have more thoughts about yonis than anyone I've known. So not just on a spiritual and ethereal, divine, cosmic level, but also on a physical level. And so if we could segue to the anatomy of the vagina who can talk about it better you can learn about it in school but when you see over 2,000 vaginas from pre-pregnancy to delivery to post-delivery can you describe the anatomy of a vagina and then maybe even the differences of vaginas yeah let's start with the meaning of the word it's kind of interesting to me, you know, sometimes when people are speaking about how we should speak to children about their anatomy, they say, be very clear and use the correct, quote unquote, anatomical term. And I understand, you know, the reasons for that, but children can be bilingual. You have lots of people growing up, children are speaking Spanish or Italian or English and all sorts of other languages to them and they get it. So I think that children can be bilingual in this way as well, because the word vagina comes from the Latin for sheath. What is it a sheath for? Hmm. So the vagina has a life of its own. And I think it's important to give children other names, you know, and say, well, this is what we call it in my family when we were growing up. And these are other names that I've heard to call. You may not want to go into some of the names, for instance, when I was growing up, 
my mother would say Tululups, and it meant everything Tul- down there. Tululups. Yes. I may never hear that one yet. That's a new one. That's <laughs> our own personal one, which makes it very special to me. There are still very beautiful and even poetic names for the vagina. You, you can help me out with this. I know you know some of Heaven's Gate, Flowery Gate. Yeah, the polite yeah. slang that we have found is nether region, lady garden, girly mm-hmm. bits, private parts, mossy cleft. But JJ too. Uh, but JJ, <laughs> me always use that one. <laughs> but JJ. These are from around the world. Love tunnel, mm-hmm. cream pie, meat sleeve, hair pie, honey pot, hot box, squeeze box. Some of these are like food related slang, like the cherry and the furry taco and tuna taco and fur burger and, you know, hair pie. And then you have animal related slang, the beaver, the pussy, the kitty, the rat, the panty, hamster. The hamster. Panty hamster. Panty hamster. Lord at mercy. Some of the slang words were like cozy, gash, hole, muff, ming, box, quim, pocketbook. May I understand pocketbook yeah. though? Hoon <laughs> <laughs> tongue. It sounds like panani. Sounds something African. Exactly. And there's a Scottish term called fud. <laughs> and then there's slit. I'm mm. telling you, lots and lots yes. and lots of words. Right. Lots of words and they definitely imply lots of approaches some actually sexist right or abusive perhaps yes but many of them also describe the beauty the Mm. vagina and the connection also to heaven the vagina is a portal to heaven to heaven yes and that's not just with the babies coming out. Right. What else is it? It's also being transported to another world, a spiritual elevation that can happen during intercourse. It no longer becomes merely a physical thing, but instead you are actually moving, shifting into other realms, ethereal realms, into the sky, seeing the stars, swimming from the depths of the ocean and breaking water or they're coming through like a volcano and it's an actual marriage with those earthly and very powerful entities and energies so it can be extremely transporting i have about three things happening in my head right now it's like yes. lord she's a poet the next thing is Lord, miras, me no know what I want ya. <laughs> and then the next thing is, my other self is like, wow, this is really beautiful. And that is the vagina. Yes, that multiplicity is. of thoughts, feelings, and energy is pretty intense. With you just describing and illustrating the power, eloquent. Thank you. So there's two levels. One is... What do women feel about their vaginas? You get very connected as a midwife. And women share things that they wouldn't necessarily share with their doctor. Even to me, you're a doctor of sorts. What is your experience of what women feel about their vaginas? And then if you could talk about the different types of vaginas. Technically, it's this muscular tube. It's about, you know, two inches now, but during arousal, it can actually double because it's made of this mucosal rugae, which just means like it's not a straight shoot. The skin of it curves 
and dips and rises and dips. So it's a whole hill and valley space. Straightens out to some extent during both arousal and penetration and also of course during childbirth. So it can do amazing things. It can stretch in amazing ways. And it's also interestingly a site of absorption. We want to realize that the difference between the skin and the mucosa of the vagina is that the skin there's more lipids within the skin itself but in the skin of the vagina or the mucosa of the vagina it's less lipids which means that anything that is water soluble can actually penetrate into the body through the vagina so it can be a site for absorption of medication when other sites may be contraindicated for whatever reason it's not you know an isolated organ of itself it connects with the rest of your body and so we have to take care as to what it is that we're putting in there. Some people may feel it's demeaning to talk about the vagina because it's so sacred and so maybe secret. And that's the problem. We need to demystify mm. and remystify. You know what I mean? It no, explain D and re for me. When I got my beard, my, my mother bought me a book and gave it to me and walked out of the room. You know, have a conversation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. demystify. I was walking by myself from Sunday school, and this little kid, just started at me, came up to me and said, hey, girl, I want to fuck you. I was like nine years old. Hey, girl, I want to fuck you. It was disturbing to me. I was like, what is fuck? And who are you? And get away. And I just walked quickly home. And when I got home, I was like, mommy, what does fuck mean? And she literally turned away and then answered me. And I thought, that word is so bad that my mother cannot even put it in her mouth to explain it. Oh, right. <laughs> you know? So that was like one of your first experiences hearing. Yeah. But if my mother said, look, that's a word that's not used in polite society, but what it means is something that we'll talk to you about later. I'm sorry you went through that. This little boy is obviously very confused. He probably doesn't even know what he's saying himself. Conversation. Remystify is rituals to remember the sacredness, the power, the strength that mm. we can find in our vaginas. Mm -hmm. It's not just for the man, it's not just for the baby, it's for us too. So what do women actually feel about their vaginas? What are some of the different feelings you've come across? We have all sorts of different approaches. Some women are very connected to their vaginas, you know, and they have no trouble expressing what's going on in them. They've explored their vaginas. A lot of times they know how to find their cervix. They are comfortable with masturbation and talking about it. You have women that are very open. Some women feel like that's not something that I want to touch. It's not something that I want to explore. I'm coming here so that you can take care of this. There's a definite need for reintroduction for them. This is part of your anatomy. This is something that's really, really important to your life as a woman. Something that you want to get to know so that if there's anything that's going on that's unusual that you have to tell a practitioner about, you're the first one that knows it and you know how to describe it. Some people that honor it as well as that sacred space, that portal through which the baby came through which their pleasure comes, which connects them to both the earth and to heaven. There's quite a wide range. How do you prescribe what's needed for a particular 
yoni, not just in illness, but prescribing on a maintenance level. Do you mm. do that with women with the herbs and the steams and exercises or anything? On a maintenance level, yes, I definitely have an herbal mixture that's for steaming. And steaming is really, really important to women. It's been an ancient practice that we've used, particularly midwives. It's often done postpartum, but that's not the only time when steaming is helpful, as we know. It's very, very helpful during the cycle as well. You don't actually oh. steam when you're bleeding, but maybe it's sort of towards the end on the last day, and then a couple of times during your cycle, it's very, very helpful. It's nourishing the root chakra. That chakra connects to survival of consciousness, connects to a very basic confidence and can address fears, fear of death, fear of not being enough. Mm -hmm. The steam helps with all of that. Steam helps to warm the entire body. Mm -hmm. So it's good for infertility. But again, we're not going to go into those too deeply, but it's just for the woman that's healthy. Steam with, say, lavender flowers, sour sap, rose petals, some nettles, red raspberry, a little bit of salt. All of those help with the circulation, help with the natural cleansing process that happens in your vagina and help with the entire body, relaxing the body and the mind. That's a lot. And when you get into the disorders that it addresses, you really are tapping into a, a wonderful therapy. So women can do steams for themselves at home, right? I've actually yes. heard of a friend whose husband even prepared the steams for her oh, in a very divine way. Could you talk about how they can do it at home? I can. Um, some women who are having some kind of imbalance mm -hmm. purchase a steaming chair, and those are available online. Also, steaming basins that you can buy and fill with your steaming mixture very hot and just sit over that. Some of these you can create for yourself as well. I have one that I've repurposed in that way, and it means that you can keep a heating element under the pot. You could have a chair, cut a circular hole oh, in yeah. it, exactly. and you could sit. A pot is on the ground, the heating element is under the pot. Under the pot, yes. And then you have that like a sheet easy. over you exactly. to not let the steam it's, escape. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Steam is rising up and actually encasing your entire body, but it's also, for the most part, directed at your yoni. The yoni is absorbing. As we say, it's a site of absorption. It's absorbing all of these wonderful, powerful, nourishing. Sometimes we have toning, sometimes astringent and sometimes antibacterial, antiviral elements. Like a facial. Yes, exactly. <laughs> People call them vacials also. Vacials. Yes. Okay, right. Well, va and yoni. Today right. we're talking about the word yoni. Do you know where the word yoni originated from? Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I know that it's Ayurvedic and that in Ayurveda, it is really healed, you know, and respected and revered as a portal, the gateway to heaven, mm. and that Ayurvedic medicine also addresses some of the issues that the yoni may encounter. I'm not a student of Ayurveda, but I know that 
if you have imbalances in your vaginal discharge, outbreak of certain diseases. The fact is that your yoni reflects you and what you're going through. And often with intimate relationships, if you're upset or angry with your partner mm -hmm. and you have herpes, that's when you're going to have a herpes outbreak. Mm. I had one client, mm -hmm. bless her, and she would have that experience when she and her husband or partner would argue, she would have an outbreak. And it was very kind of critical because she was pregnant at the time. Mm. And if you're delivering with herpes, sometimes cesarean section is required. Because if the baby comes into contact with that, it causes disease within the infant. What type of disease? To the nervous system. Okay, okay. Actually very critical. What I said to her is express it. Write him a letter. You don't have to send it to him necessarily, mm -hmm. but write about what you're feeling as if you're writing to him. And she did that. And for the remainder of the pregnancy, she didn't have another outbreak because it really helped her. It's like hypertension. You know, when you express what you're feeling... Your pressure goes down. Your body doesn't have to express mm -hmm, it, you mm -hmm, know, because mm -hmm. your, your spirit has. That was very healing for her. So also with yeast infections, sometimes mm -hmm. women will get yeast infections when they may be upset mm -hmm. at their mate. It also, of course, has to do with what they're eating. It has to do with having intercourse and having intercourse perhaps with somebody who's eating certain things that maybe their bodies aren't used to or their bodies react to in a, with a kind of allergic uh, mm. inflammatory response so they get more discharge. Mm -hmm. So it's looking at all of these things, looking at the whole woman mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and addressing what may be causing that imbalance. One thing I want to add is that, of course, if the woman is in a long-term relationship with somebody that she wants to continue being in a long-term relationship with, it is so important to harmonize with that person. It's important to speak about whatever is causing you distress. It's important to be able to feel like the lines of communication are open and that you can address some of the things that he does that may disturb you and vice versa so that you can reach a place of harmony. That's the ultimate. That's what you're looking for. That support, that love, that connection that comes from both partners. So is that true for people who have same gender partners as well? Does the yoni, from your experience, respond the same way? And that same, obviously, loving care needs to happen and work out through the details? Absolutely. And a lot of times when it's same sex, you'll find that one partner takes the more feminine role and one partner takes a more masculine role. So these relationships are sometimes gendered as well. Sometimes if there are issues that need to be addressed, you will see that it's somatized, you know, it goes into the body and those issues will have to be cleared. However, they can be cleared either with your partner or even without just through expression. And it's expressed through the vagina. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. So we've talked about the different types of vaginas. We didn't get into shapes and sizes and stuff. The different names that we came up with actually did that for us. We talked about the different ways that people have birth, a couple of them, whether it's C-section or at home or the hospital. 
But we didn't talk about the different ways that women can get pregnant, which is becoming more and more of a household possibility. I personally have several friends that have decided to get pregnant in non-traditional ways because they actually wanted to do it alone or they were in same-sex marriage. So can you talk a little bit about that? In any way that you choose, as a midwife who's delivered over 2,000 babies or assisted, as you like to say, right? Such an honoring way, which I so appreciate. What do you have to share about the new ways that babies are being conceived? I have served some same-sex couples and it's been beautiful where there's love to receive baby always is. I feel that we have to be careful when we do something that's different to the way that it goes naturally. We have to be careful that there's not some element perhaps that might be missing that is critical to the full health of the process. Having said that, you know, people need to make the choices. I'm here to support. I may give an opinion if I'm asked, but the purpose of being a midwife is to support the process of conception. We do support fertility as well, all the way through till the baby's like 20 years old. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> really? That is amazing. Yes. So what are some of the things, say, in a non-organic, I'll even say, some people might not like that word, but that's the first word that came to my mind, mm. that in artificial insemination, it's not necessarily organic, right? Because mm. there's external support, some manipulation that has mm. to happen. Some part of the organic process could be skipped, missed, or adapted in some way. What are some things that you have thought of that help to kind of close mm. that gap that could have occurred? Right, at that time. Yeah. To be honest, I have not thought deeply about this, mm-hmm. but just off the cuff, babies are conceived in very many ways, and it's not always mm. the greatest marriage. There's rape as well. There's rape as well. But I think if you're going to have artificial insemination, it's a clinical process. But if you can transport yourself to a place of bliss, welcoming this energy into your body, that would be helpful for the entire process. Because if you're excited about it, first of all, your vagina gets excited, your spirit gets excited. An excited vagina means that you're releasing those fluids that actually aid in conception, it can only help. You know, so feeling connected with the spirit that is coming in, or this energy, which is the masculine energy, then acknowledging that within yourself and honoring it. So what are those fluids that we get released? What do you actually call them? There's mucus that's released. There are glands within the vagina. One of them is Bartholin's glands which is at the opening, right, you know, by the perineum. And that releases a little bit of lubrication, which is generally very helpful during intercourse. And then the walls of the vagina themselves also release fluids. Again, lubrication during intercourse. Then the cervix. There are glands within the cervix that will also release further fluids. And these are really helpful for the sperm to travel through the opening of the cervix to reach the womb and perhaps fertilize the egg. 
sounds like such a living being, the walls of the vagina, so alive and receptive and responsive. And earlier you alluded to one aspect of the vagina feeling things or even absorbing. And I know we're talking on a couple of different levels, basic, technical, spiritual, and that is what the vagina is, right? Right, right, right. Spiritual. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with my guest, Tioma Fern Allison. Thank you so much for joining in and listening. Please remember to like, share, and leave a message to let us know what you thought about the discussion. Remember, this interview about the healing essence and power of the yoni had so much information that we created two podcasts. So come back for part two. And always remember, one love and continue cultivating the very best life you deserve.